Hey everyone, welcome to the I Know Lonely podcast from Only 7 Seconds. I am your host, Luke Wall. This month, I had the privilege of interviewing one of our storytellers, Mariah Paz. Now, a quick little background to this. Uh, we had Mariah on our video and we recorded the video a year and a half ago. And it wasn't until a couple of weeks prior to this release that we actually recorded the podcast. So there was a bit of time between the video production and what you see on the video to the time that we record this. And because of that, Mariah shares her experience from the time of recording video until present day. So I highly recommend going and watching the video if you have time on our website, only7seconds.com. It'll give a little bit more context to Mariah's story and allow this conversation to be even more impactful as you listen to it. This month, as Mariah shares her part of her story over the last year and a half, she talks about her experience with many things, including suicide ideation, teen pregnancy, and just struggling with pieces of life and the loneliness that intersects with those. So fair disclaimer, Mariah does talk about suicide, uh, both in attempting and someone that passed away by suicide. With that being said, I also want to just share a little bit of a reminder as we head into this conversation of why we share these stories and how to interact and listen with them. This is the first story of the new year uh, that we are sharing of one of our storytellers. And very specifically, just a reminder that we share these stories because we want to inspire empathy. We want to help cultivate empathy. And we want to help better understand people's stories that are not like ours. Or if you are someone who's experiencing a story like this, that you feel a little bit less lonely. And so it's really important that as you go into listening to these stories, that you go in with a mindset of hearing someone's story that probably isn't like yours and to really try to better understand them and develop empathy for them. So as we get started, I'm super excited to share Mariah's story. It's incredibly impactful. I met her a little over a year and a half ago and just to see the person she became today and the things that have transpired since the recording of the video are just really remarkable. And so I personally uh, am just very passionate about Mariah's story um, and the person that she's becoming and just super excited to share this with you. So uh, if you need support or resources before we get started uh, in regards to suicide, please check out the show notes. And without any further ado, here's Mariah. All right. Well, welcome, Mariah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for being on today. Um, as we get started, just introduce yourself a little bit and share who you are. Paz. I go by Paz. I live in Twist, Washington. I was on set with you guys about a year ago. Yeah. So uh, with that, I'll kind of give a little bit of preface, I guess, um, heading into the conversation. So when we filmed with you, it was now like 15 months ago, something like that, a mm -hmm. um, little over a year ago. And so on the film, you share a lot about kind of your childhood and some of your experiences that was going on at that time. Uh, but for the sake of today, we're going to actually move forward a little bit and talk about your life basically since then. So in the last year and a half, you've had quite a bit happen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so we wanted to spend this time on the podcast talking specifically about the last year and a half and what's happened since we filmed. Um, but before we do that, maybe just give a quick synopsis of what was on that film. Um, the things that you talked about, which were really specifically around being a mean girl. Um, and then uh, your friend, Nate. Yeah. Um, well, I guess I'm, I feel like personally, I've 
have no longer been the mean girl. <laughs> <laughs> I talked about Nate, who was my friend who, you know, um, took his life. Uh, and I, I think that was really hard for me then. And I didn't realize, like, you know, obviously it was still so soon to talk about. I definitely think, you know, like I recommend to people that, you know, think they're ready and are, you know, wanting to get out there and put as much awareness out there, like do as much as you can possible, but also make sure that you're focusing on yourself and your mental health before, you know, moving forward and trying to help others because it really yeah. does, you know, I thought, oh, if I help other people, it'll make me feel better. And of course it does, but it also puts a lot more on yourself than you expect it to. If someone would have told me, like, maybe we should process this and maybe let's, you know, like, talk about this or, you know, because I hadn't really talked about it because it's such a hard thing to talk about. Like, how do you go to talk about that? Like, how, what what are the steps to even to, to talk about it, you know? And I, that was the first time I had really experienced losing someone close to me in my life. So I had never dealt with the stages of grieving. So for me to be so young and to also have it happen so fast and all the things happen in my life before and like, you know, just yeah. kind of all the things I just had no idea. So it was hard to know like what the right or wrong things to do. And everybody was just telling me there's no, there's no right or wrong thing. And everybody has their different stages of grieving. And I just didn't quite understand like it takes time. So, yeah. And like you said, it taking that time for your own mental health and like as much as you wanted to, um, try to help and try to get out there and try to do your part in solving some of the, the things that were going on in the world at the time and play your role in that. Like you have to take the time for yourself. Yeah. For and sure. that was something that, um, I, I think is just a really important call out. And I think that's really wise. Yeah. And I, I mean, and it was definitely really nice. Like when people started seeing the films I had gotten reached out to from quite a few people that had known me from social media um, from when they were being played in schools because they mm -hmm. got played last year, right? Yep. So people f that had seen them in class had reached out to me. And at that point, which we'll get into obviously, but um, I was in a really lonely point in my life. Mm -hmm. And so to, you know, kind of like hear like, oh, I never knew you went through that or I never knew you experienced that. I just was out there putting awareness, but nobody really knew my situation or what I was going through. And again, like it's such a hard topic to talk about. Like, how do you talk about suicide and how do you talk about mm -hmm. grieving and where does the conversation even really start? Because then it's like, oh, am I going to say the wrong things or am I going to overstep or does she not even want to talk about it? You know, it's such a, it's such a hard thing to just death is just such a hard thing. Yeah. Yeah. And for you to be put in the position at 16 years old to a try to process it and be in a place that you're trying to um, create awareness and trying to put yourself out there. Um, that's, that's not easy. Yeah. Like, that's not easy as a fully grown adult who has like gone through more in life and has maybe some more whatever um, to try to, to do that is difficult in and of itself. And then at 16 years old, um, along with um, some of the other things you even talked about in the film of just your own personal life that, I mean, you had a really challenging childhood. Yeah. <laughs> like you had a lot of difficult things that have happened in difficult relationships. Right. Um, so it, kind of sharing that. And again, if anyone wants to kind of 
go back and watch the film, they can learn a little bit more about what your childhood was like. Um, but let's kind of talk through since then, like where has your life been in the last year and a half? Um, because we sat down pre-production here just for a couple of minutes and you just shared like this, 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 yeah. this, this all happened. <laughs> and I like, I just kind of sat there in shock for a moment. Yeah. And I, so I'd love to just kind of walk through your life over the last year and a okay. half. And um, so let's just start shortly after uh, we filmed and um, just talk me through some of the things that have happened lately. Okay. Um, so shortly after we filmed, it was that that summer, um, I was going into my junior year and it was really hard for me to be engaged in school. And there was a lot of things I had went to the alternative school that ILC and there was a lot of things that, you know, I had goals and wanted to see happen for myself. And I just felt like nobody was listening to me. I really felt like people were shutting down my ideas. I wanted to graduate early. I felt like I excelled so much more than, you know, a lot of my classmates. And I wanted to be able to be ready to go on to the real world. Little did I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I felt ready and I wanted to be, um, you know, I wanted to work. Uh, my uncle, he does, he's an engine boss and he works firefighting. And mm. I was super interested. Like I really wanted to be a hot shot and, you know, be right there oh, on wow. the fire. But my teachers, they just, you know, we were allowed to do internships and I just feel like nobody was really like engaged in helping me. And then, you know, I really felt a lot of weight, you know, um, being kind of, I, you know, I felt like kind of the oldest out of all my siblings, you know, mm. and I kind of felt a lot of weight. My childhood was so up and down all the time that like, I felt sometimes it was really hard to be a kid and I was expected to do be so much because I was so mentally mature that everybody just expected me to be older than I was. And so, um, and I probably brought that upon myself too, like, yep. you know, trying to be mature because that's just how it was. Um, I am very independent. So like, I've always been like, it's good. I got it. I'm going to do it by myself. It just, it just became a lot for me. And then, like I said, I didn't really get to process a lot of what was happening after Nate's death. It was just a lot. And so I had started turning to partying and I wanted to explore the world. And so um, I started skipping school and I would email my teachers pretending to be my mom saying Mariah's going to be absent and I would take off to OMAC and <laughs> I would go and party. Um, so that's what I thought, you know, a lot of those people were struggling with a lot of things. And so it kind of felt like, oh, we can trauma bond and we can relate. And it felt nice being around those people that had experienced tough childhood and, and it being like kind of around like my people, yeah. you know, um, people that would understand what you'd gone yeah, through in some ways. Yeah. yeah. And you know, and, and, the, and then it was like, we were just there to have fun. Nobody was there to sit there and like talk about our, our stuff. It wasn't counseling. It was, you know, we weren't even, we were like, this is fun. Like, let's just forget about it, you know? Mm. So to me, I found that a way of coping and, you know, yeah. that is like an unhealthy way. And, <laughs> you, you know, and yeah. Everybody tells you, you know, don't do drugs, don't don't go out and drink, you know, you're you're too young, but when you don't really know, you don't you don't know. So when it happens and it all happens so fast, you know, it's not like 
oh, you, it's one beer and then it's the next beer and then you're an alcoholic, you know, it just, everything happens so fast. And it's like, you don't, you don't just become an alcoholic because you like beer. You become an, an alcoholic and you become a partier because there's something that is really hard to deal with and to even talk about. Yeah. And like you said, that was, it was your way of coping with undealt with trauma yeah. and yeah. grief. Yeah. Where did that lead to? Uh, because obviously that, that doesn't solve your problems. Yeah. It doesn't, uh, it, it's a temporary bandaid on, on the things you're experiencing and feeling. So where did that lead? My mom and I had gotten in a tussle and, um, she had not gotten my keys, but she had gotten my phone. And so I took off with my car. I was like, I don't need a phone, whatever. So, um, I took off, um, and she, you know, she said some hurtful things, you know, and I just was like, okay, whatever. I won't come back. I don't, I don't need you. I don't need this, you know, you know, the, the, the things that are said when, you know, so, um, and you're a fairly independent person. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so she, she kind of, you know, she was worried about me, you know, she's my mom. So she was worried, but she also had to like sit back because there's only so much you can do as a parent for a kid that's so hard headed and independent, you know, there's so, yeah. you know, so, um, I ended up staying in OMAC for some time. Um, and then, uh, it just wasn't working out for me. So I ended up going over to Spokane and, um, I was staying with my sister at first. She had just asked me to watch her dog. Um, and she was like, I'll pay you. And so, and she was like, and I know you'll be safe here. So, and then I had um, met these really two cool dudes that are like my really good friends now, um, and it was it was so I was so cra I was so crazy because they had Snapchatted and put on their story like what's what's the plans tonight and I was like I heard there was a party in Cheney which is like you know Eastern Washington party college town and my car was just not a convenient car so I was like you guys want to pick me up and we'll go and I had never met them before like mm -hmm. never in my life so two just random yeah guys. and they were oh they're, they're they're super cool and they're super nice and they're great guys you know but I didn't know that then right <laughs> and they had come pick me up from my sister's apartment and uh we had they had taken me to Cheney and we went to this party and I didn't really drink much at all, um, so I was good. Um, and then they had taken me back home, and then we had, like, hung out since then. Like, they were my friends, um, and they're super cool, you know. Like, I'm so glad it was them as people. They didn't drink. They didn't. They weren't partiers, so they were sober, too. So I'm so glad that it was them and not some killer or, you know, <laughs> some bad people. But, you know, I don't recommend just texting random people and just making stuff happen. Um, yeah, that was I don't even know what I was thinking, but I'm so glad they were who they were. Um, so, yeah. Uh, the guy he actually used to say let's go get chocolate wasted because he did not he was he's never I don't know if he's drank but he doesn't do drinking mm. he doesn't like drinking so you know he's really cool and he's he's like TikTok famous too so yeah <laughs> I was like you look familiar and he was like probably TikTok and I was like no way you are that TikTok guy <laughs> so it was really cool but yeah um it was a good it was you know I was just 
I was just living my life, you know? So yeah, I was down there in Spokane. I was, um, couch surfing and my, I was staying with my sister, my oldest sister for quite some time, but that became a lot for her, I think, to watch me go through what I was going through. Um, and to just, you know, it's hard to see your loved ones struggle when you know what's best for them. Um, so, and then she was, you know, she's, she was 22 and she was trying to live her life and figure it out. And she had a one bedroom apartment and I had me and my dog. So it wasn't like we could just crash and live there on her couch. So yeah. I ended up staying in my car or I spent on quite a few nights in my car or I would go meet people at parties and I would crash at their house. Um, it, it's, and you're, an, you, sorry, you're ho- how old at this time? I was still 16. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, as the age that I was, it was just like, um, it was a lot, I think, because I struggled in school with a lot of, you know, fake people and, you know, experiencing what I had done to people like I knew, but when you really get out there, like the world isn't a mean place, you know, like it's, there's, it's not what, you know, you, you meet these great people, but you also don't really know who those people are. You know, there's some people can put on so many personalities and so many fronts. And I was one of those people. Like I was so capable of being somebody that I wasn't, you know, and that's what's so scary. And that's what I think was so crazy for me to be so young is I was like, Oh, everybody loves me. And then they turn around and it would, they would, you'd be like, they'd be talking crap about you to like five other people. And you're like, wait, but I don't really even know you. Like, how do you, why are you saying all these things about me? You know? So that was hard to figure out being so young and partying with a bunch of college city people, you know, Mm -hmm. like coming from a small town to just like, okay, now everybody's like hating on you, you know? And nobody, nobody, yeah, nobody really knew me. It was different. Wow. Forgive me if I am skipping anything here, but then you had a pretty traumatic event yourself. Yeah. So I had, um, just to kind of go back to lead up to that, I had like moved around. I had met, uh, my boyfriend, I th- well, I'd say December. We'd like partied together before, but we had like gotten together mm-hmm. in December, um, the beginning of December. And it was not the healthiest relationship, um, to be in and to like live in your car and to just have all this trauma. I definitely recommend like to just wait because it was so, it was so toxic for me. Like it was like, there were so many things that like, either I was like, I'm independent and I've been doing it by myself and I've been doing it on my own and I'd push him away. Or there were things that I would be too attached because I didn't have a lot of those feelings or that love that I needed Hmm. for myself. So um, it was definitely, we had our ups and downs and um, we had moved from, Plumber, Idaho to Oak Harbor, back to Spokane. And he had just like traumatically just kind of left me on my sister's doorstep at her apartment. Of course, things led up to that, but it was pretty hard for me. Um, And it was around the time that Nate had passed. And I didn't know that until somebody had said that to me. Um, Like his anniversary. Yeah. Uh, So I, I didn't know that. Yeah. So it was around Easter, I think the day after Easter and, uh, it's not necessarily, so I did, I tried to take my life. Um, and it's not necessarily Mm. like that 
I wanted to die because I didn't, you know, like I didn't want to die. Like I just felt like nobody, nobody was there. I didn't want to be in that situation anymore. Like I didn't want to feel like I was failing or that I didn't have a purpose or that I was alone. Like I was super alone, um, you know? And so I had like taken like 12 or I don't even remember a lot of pills and I was just laying on my sister's couch because she had come back and she was really upset. She was like, he's never allowed back here because she had let us stay there, you know, so she got to know him pretty well. And so she she and she began to like kind of, you know, trust him. And it was hard for her, you know, and, and with her experiences that she went through, you know, of course it was like, you know, it's, it was hard to see her little sister going through that, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I was laying there on her couch. Sorry, gonna get emotional. Um, and um, I started to like go to the bathroom and uh, I was like throwing up. I was gagging at first, like there, there was nothing coming up. And I was like, you know, like, okay, this is just gonna happen. Like, you know, um, sorry. You're okay. Do you want a tissue? No, it's okay. <laughs> um, and she, and then I, and then my friend had called me and they were like, what's going on? Like, you need to tell your sister. And I was like, uh, I was nervous that she was going to be upset because she knew that, like, I watched her go through everything she went through. Um, sorry. And then, uh, my, you know, Nate. So she, I thought she was going to be like really mad at me, but, um, she was not, I mean, she was like, she was like, what the heck? You know, she was, she wasn't upset. She was just kind of like worried, obviously. So, um, I told her, I said, I took a lot of pills and I really think I need to go to the hospital because I began to feel like really shaky and, you know, I was nauseous and I was sweating and, um, I was just, you know, you know, it was horrible. So the worst feeling ever. Hmm. So, um, she was taking me and then, um, we're pulling into the ERs. Like, uh, there was like, it's, it was in Spokane. So there's, it's like, you know, the garage of, and so we had to go all the way to the top. And hmm. as we're driving up to the top, I'm like p starting to throw up, like actually throw them up the worst feeling ever, because I literally felt like I was dying. Like, you know, like that, I don't know if I was panicking or, you know, like, but it, I definitely was like struggling to breathe. Like, mm. and so we get in there and, um, my sister's like checking me in and I get this bag and there I'm where I felt like we were sitting there forever, but we really weren't. And finally we get taken back and, um, they like start taking my blood pressure and like, you know, I'm sitting there like dry heaving, like really hot, like, you know, kind of you know, breathing really heavy, you know, I was just breathing really heavy. So they start to freak out because I'm sitting there not being able to breathe normally. And, uh, they just took me back into an ER room and they hooked me up to like all these monitors, my heart monitors. And I don't really remember much, but you know, my sister, she's, um, over there crying and, um, thinking I was probably going to die, you know? And then finally, they just like put an IV in, and I was I was okay, 
like I was good. And I don't, you know, it was, it's kind of like vivid to me. Like it happened so quick, but like in that moment, I just looked over at my sister and I thought that like I was going to die in front of her, you know? And that's like super traumatic to like think about in, in my head. I just feel like I was, or I, I know that I was thinking like, I don't want to die. Like, you know? So, um, yeah, that's, that's what happened. Um, it was very traumatic and like very traumatic for my sister to probably see her little sister going through that. Um, but there was, you know, there was a lot of things that led up to that, like, just everything that I was living in my car and trying to figure it out and feeling super alone. And then to just like all of a sudden, like feel like kind of everything was taken away from you all at once. And you just like, don't really want to be in that situation anymore. So it could have been dealt with so much differently, but I just, I just didn't want, I didn't want to be in that situation anymore. Yeah. So it was a, a cry for help. Yeah, for sure. Like they were like, we're gonna, we have to evaluate you and we have to take you up stairs. Cause I was at, I was in Spokane. So I, um, I was in the Spokane hospital. So they took me up to the, um, upstairs to where their mental facility was. Okay. I don't remember what it was called, but I was like, I'll go there for three days. Cause I thought like, I don't need help. Like I just, it was just, I was sad and I just was alone and I needed help. Like I needed a break from life, from reality. I needed to be able to breathe without feeling like so much responsibility. So like CPS had to come and then like uh, a bunch of people, like counselors and people, and they were putting me on like all these medications and you know, my sister tried to come and visit me every day that she could, but I was in the ER for, I think, I don't remember, I think a week. Oh, wow. I think, because they were waiting for beds to open up. And then finally, they had moved me upstairs. And then, um, you know, the people, the like the staff, you know, it was hard because I felt like a lot of them didn't really understand like I felt like a lot of them you know it's that's their job is you know and there was a lot of kids in there that I just was like why am I in here like these kids are genuinely like need help like they need to be they were they were like fighting people and like you know (laughs) that had different like personality disorders that really needed more attention and so in ways that I felt guilty like I'm taking away from these kids that you know, have actual issues. And it took me so long to realize, like, I needed to be talked to just as much as they did, Mm -hmm. you know, and I needed a break just as much as they did, you know. But it was really cool. Um, I'm not really cool. It wasn't cool. But it was, you know, it was an experience, and it sucked, and I didn't want to be in there. But eventually, I was in there for 13 days, I think. Wow. And, um... There was a lot of great things that I learned and got able to get away with, you know, coping and take away from, I kept a journal and, you know, a lot of the kids when I was in there started copying me. Like I 
cut would cut out like all the templates we got and I would glue them into my journal. And then I was started noticing other kids doing it. And I was super into meditation and like mindfulness before I had gone in there. But um, I got to lead a meditation group in, oh, wow. in the facility to all these kids. And, and it was so great to like see some of them because it's so hard to like listen to the staff that you feel like have never been what you've been through. So for somebody like me, they were probably like, she's in here and she's doing all this and she's making all this progress because there were so many kids that were like, oh, this is my, this is my fifth time being back in here. You're not going to, you're, you're always going to come back. It doesn't work. So to be able to see me lead a group, being a patient there and helping them, like, you know, like it was probably so cool for them. And like so many of the kids were probably like, wow, like there's, you know, it can help you, mm. you know, at least for, I hope. But, yeah, you know, awesome. I stayed connected with some of the kids when I got out. And, oh, really? uh, you know, so my roommate, her name, I'm not going to say her name, but <laughs> <laughs> um, she uh, she was we've stayed connected. And um, she wow. was like, you helped me so much, like because there was she she was very negative. And it's really hard to have a negative roommate, you know, when you're trying to figure yeah. out your stuff. So I was just like, you know, let's just think about all the positive things and let's work on the things so that we can get out, you know. And so and she was like, you helped me so much. Like, you know, like hmm. some of the things that you told me when we were in there, I still think about and do to this day. So, you know, it feels really good. But then there's that part of me that was like, did I really get the time and the the healing that I needed because I was so like still trying to help other people. <laughs> I was so. going to say, <laughs> it, at what point have you learned to, um, what am I looking for? Value yourself? I personally feel like never. I mean, even, yeah. even now it's been really hard. Like, yeah. um, and I feel like it's so important because me and my mom were just having this conversation. I was like, I feel like I do everything for everybody else all the time. Like I constantly feel like I'm thinking about everybody else. But um, I'm assuming even the times that because I see parts of myself in you, just some of the, the different things that you feel and the pressure you put on yourself. And I'm going to just venture a guess here, but even in the times that you're quote unquote, do, you've done stuff for yourself, whether it be partying or otherwise, then you feel the guilt yeah. that you should be doing, be thinking about other people yeah. or you should be doing something for someone else. So even in those moments that you might be in theory doing something for yourself, it doesn't feel like you are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I guess I don't really catch, catch that until somebody's like, wait. And I'm like, oh yeah, I guess you're right. You know? Yeah. And I mean, after I had gone out, um, I, I went back to Oak Harbor and um, I s still struggled. I still was like, you know, it was still really hard. And the people I was, you know, I was staying with what weren't quite too healthy either, you know. Mm. Um, and don't get me wrong. They, you know, they were there and they were so they drove all the way from Oak Harbor to pick me up from Spokane. So like they were there, but um, it wasn't the healthiest situation either. Um, so I had moved back home. And again, it was just like, I just couldn't figure out where I really fit in and where I really wanted to be. And it was still so hard and I really still struggled. And I really think it's because I never really got to like focus on me. And I was always, you know, what's everybody else doing? And, you know, and I got so into the 
party life that it was really hard to walk away. I have one question before we kind of jump into like the next call it phase. Yeah, sorry, I'm kind of going pretty fast. No, 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 it's great. I'm I'm curious. I just want to take a minute. I mean, you talked, you said it a couple of times of just how alone you felt. Yeah. Like in that even in your attempt, it was a cry for help and it was a cry to be out of the situation and to not be alone. I mean, you're alone to the extent of living in your own car. Yeah. Right. At 16 years old. Yeah. And picking up rides from random people to yeah. parties. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like you feel so alone. I, I think a lot of people will resonate with that feeling. Right. Like whether it's the same situation or not, and especially kids and just that plea for feeling seen. Yeah. Um, I think is so important. It, like it's so prevalent and so I'm just curious like in your experience what I guess you would say to someone else like your old self even like your old self like what would you say to your old self yeah going through that situation now or what would you say to someone that is that age a bit younger than you are now that are that's going through some of those same feelings or dealing with same some of those same things right now um don't run away. Like, don't run away from the the issue. Like, I feel like that's what was so hard for me is I was so focused on what can I do tomorrow or what could I have done better yesterday mm. instead of like, okay, I am here and I'm doing what I'm doing today and let's just take it day by day. I was always so focused on the future and focused on the past and so I didn't really have a life. And so to me, like, Going head on to the issue, but step by step and like, you know, minute by minute. Someone was actually just telling me like, if you can't do it day by day, do it, you know, 10 minutes, 10 minutes. If you can't do it 10 minutes by 10 minutes, do it five minutes by five minutes. And if you can't do that, take a minute a day, you know, like because healing takes so much time. And, you know, you're going to feel like, oh, I'm healed. But really, it comes in waves, so you're never fully healed. You know, there's always times that you're going to feel by yourself and lonely, and you're always going to feel like, you know, you're you're not doing a good job, or, you know, you're always going to feel like um, you're doing something wrong, or you could do better than you did yesterday. And, of course, you know, be who you are and do what you're doing, but don't ever, like, take away your healing time from yourself because, like, that's what that's what I would have told myself. Go talk to somebody, you know, like doesn't have to be a counselor, but, you know, somebody that's like you can trust and somebody that's not going to judge you or tell you, you know, that you're being selfish or that you could do all these things better, you know. Um, so that would be, I mean, my advice, like to my old self or to any yeah. kids out there is like, you know, there's, it's never the end of the world when something happens, you know, and it may feel like your whole world is like crashing down on you or that nobody's going to love you the same or look at you the same. But, you know, those people that really care about you and those people that are really there for you, they're going to listen and they're going to forgive and they're going to be like, it, it happens, you know? And I just didn't realize that. I just thought like, well, if I go back or if I, if I do these things, you know, everybody's going to hate me. And I was never like, I just need to do it for me, you know. Mm. So do it for you is what my advice. And yeah. Just 
just heal. Take the time to like heal. And and still like still for me now I'm not I'm not healed. There's so yeah. many things that I have to work on and there's so many things that I still do um that I, you know, dislike about myself or there's that voice that's like you're not doing good enough or you need to do this more for people because you're so selfish, you know. There's so many there's so many things, but you can't you can't listen to that little voice in your head or those negative people yeah. and it's so hard. It's it like is. so hard. And you know, everybody just expects to figure it out. And like I said, they think, oh, well, I'm, I'm fully healed. But really, it's like you it's n- it's a never ending thing. Healing is never ending. Yeah. You know, you're always healing every day, no matter what. Yep. And anyone who says a that they have it all figured out or lying. Yeah. For <laughs> anyone sure. who says that grief is um, or trauma um, is just all of a sudden one day better. Yeah. It's not true. Right. Um, and anyone who says that they haven't experienced grief is lying too. Yeah. Right. Like it's not something where it's, it's not linear. Yeah. And it, it's something that everyone experiences differently. Right. And that's another thing. Like grief is not just to somebody who's no longer alive. You know, like I had to realize a lot this year, like you can grieve somebody who's very much not alive. Mm-hmm. Like you can grieve somebody who just left just out of your life, you know? And I never knew that. Like I, nobody ever told me that grieving is just about people who have passed away. You know, you can grieve somebody who's an hour away from you. You can grieve somebody who's 20 minutes from you. You can grieve someone who's down the road from you just because your guys's friendship relationship, whatever didn't work out, you know, and you have to heal from that too. Like you can't, you can't just assume like I'll get over and I'll get better because you got to heal from that too. Yeah, I think that's so important to call out and allowing yourself the space for that healing is so important because undealt with grief and undealt with trauma leads to situations just like what you just talked about and what your own experience was. Yeah. So thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that. It's not easy to talk about. And I guess my my next question is, is... uh, some of this has been really difficult to hear, but you, even just in our interactions over the last year or so, and we've text back and forth a little bit or messaged on Facebook and trying to coordinate having you come and be right here now. Yeah. And I've just been able to see in the last couple of months, you seem like maybe turn the corner is not the right phrase because like we just said, like grief and like all the different things, it's, it's, it can be a roller coaster and it's not just a linear thing. Yeah. Um, but you just, you seem like you are in such a healthy space right now. And so I kind of want to hear about that now. Like, what is it that, um, where your life is today because like you walked in the, the door today with so much joy. Yeah. Um, and I just, I want to hear about that yeah. and I want to hear about where you are today and what kind of maybe even led into that. Like I said, you, you, you're never done healing. Yeah. Um, so I'm so happy to be here. Like when I finally was like, okay, I can finally make it up here. I can finally take the time, not be working. And so I'm really happy to be here and that's why I came in here with so much joy. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's still hard and it's still, there's, I still struggle so much. But one thing that turned around my life was I, you know, I'm, I'm newly pregnant. So I'm, you know, 17, almost 17 weeks. So congratulations. Thanks. It's a 
little baby boy. So happy about that instead of having a girl because I could not have a mini me. <laughs> I couldn't handle it. And that's why I said there's good and bad karma, but I definitely think that I got some good karma having a baby boy. <laughs> um, but that is one thing that I think really gave me some purpose and to just kind of talk about that. I am a teen mom, so it's not like I'm like, Woo, everybody go get pregnant to have a purpose in your life. <laughs> because no, that is not the answer. Like, definitely not. I, I, ne I didn't want to be a mom. I didn't really see myself being a mom. I always wanted to be my own person and live my own life. And you just talked for the last however many minutes, 40 minutes, about how independent you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can tell so, you that children slow down your independence yeah, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it definitely is like crazy like I was like mind blown because today we went to go baby shopping in Wenatchee and mm. I was like I can't believe I'm pregnant like looking at baby stuff like what like no way <laughs> so honestly that like if we want to talk about that a little bit that um is really hard to to go through kind of by yourself when we were talking uh, prior to recording you even said there was a bit of a change for you prior to becoming pregnant too, yeah, right? Like yeah. you, like it wasn't that you went from, um, being in the hospital to being pregnant and all of a sudden like things are just better or anything like that. Like there was a, there was a progression of, I think you moved back home or moved back into the Mac area. Yeah. You ended up getting, I think you told me two jobs, right? Yeah. Like there were some things that happened leading up to getting pregnant right. as well that kind of set you on this path to even be prepared to be pregnant right. versus going from one day partying to one day being pregnant, right. I guess, right? Right. So yeah, so me and my ex-boyfriend that I was with bouncing around, um, we'd gotten back together. He'd come and, you know, stayed and lived with me over in OMAC. And um, I kind of partied less when I was with him, which was always really nice because, you know, I didn't really feel like I needed to be partying. So that was pretty good, but it was still pretty unhealthy and pretty hard. Um, and then when we found out I was pregnant, that obviously was even harder. Mm. Like it definitely was not like most people's pregnancy, which everybody's like, Oh, we're pregnant, you know, all exciting. So that's definitely hard, but it gave me some purpose for sure. It was, uh, I definitely felt like, okay, I need to stop doing you know, I, I automatically, as soon as I found out, I automatically stopped, you know, partying, drinking, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. But um, it was, I totally was like, okay, I'm carrying this life now. And, you know, there was a lot of ups and downs with it, just as, you know, there still is. But it's such a weird thing to talk about. Because <laughs> I still, I guess I'm, it's so. You're still processing yeah, it. Yeah. So what we'll have to do is record you like in another year from yeah, now, right? right? And it'll be like a, a reflection again. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, um, definitely though, like, I think it made me be like, the universe is waking you up. Like, mm -hmm. to me, that's what it was like. You've been doing all this stuff and being so impulsive and we've been trying to like, tell you like stop doing what you're doing and so it really put this serious block in my way of like no you seriously need to stop like you need to figure it out like you know so to me it was more so of like there's no more choices to figure it out you have to figure it out yeah. so um yeah I mean I didn't have a choice at that point I mean I 
you know, I definitely had choices, but I felt like whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And I so happened to just have a healthy first trimester and I can enter the second trimester still pretty healthy. So this is kind of my purpose is, you know, and then me and my boyfriend, uh, we had broken up again. So it's been pretty lonely still, and it's been still very hard and it's still, you know, and it's not, and it's, you know, it's been really hard for me to talk about because to me, it's really embarrassing to like be a teen mom and then not have it figured out. So it's very hard to like say like I'm excited about it because it's still a very lonely thing and it's still not like my life still isn't all better, you know, because it's it's still it's still up and down all the time. But there's definitely some exciting moments like I just found out I was having a baby boy. So, like, you know, that was something that. I got to like experience and take in and it's the first grandbaby. It's my first baby. It's the first niece and nephew or nephew. Sorry. And uh, (laughs) so, you know, it's definitely like there's some great things about it, but you know, there's loneliness and everything. It's so it's really crazy like that. You know, it's still so lonely still. Yeah. So, you know, you definitely have your days where you're like, I'm so happy. And of course I was so happy walking in here. I was so glad to be able to be here and to be able to do this and to be able to help other people. But, you know, there's definitely those days. So, yeah. Well, and I think that, um, two thoughts on that. Like, first of all, um, I'm quite a bit older than you and we have three kids. We don't have it figured out. So let me just reassure you on that first of (laughs) all, right? Like, uh, I'm far removed from maybe, um, any sort of college or party scene or anything like that. But like we equally don't have it figured out. Like there's so much in parenting. You're figuring it. You talked about taking it day by day and if not day by day, hour by hour, and if not hour by hour, five minutes by five minutes. And tell you what, parenting is minute by minute a lot of times. Like you, and so there's a lot like just reassurance that we're still figuring it out. Um, and and then just thank you for your vulnerability. I'm talking about the loneliness piece of it, right? Like I think, uh, whether it's, um, single parenthood or whether it's parenthood in general, and my wife and I are married and happily so, and have three kids and even parenting can be super lonely just even with someone else, right? right? Like it's, um, your life ends up being consumed by a little, seven pound thing. Um, and prior to that, like, um, but it's, it's not easy for people to, um, uh, to always share that, I guess. And so I think it's just really valuable for you to be able to like, say like it is lonely and be vulnerable about that. I think it's just, um, pretty remarkable. So thank you. Yeah, of course. And and I think I, the reason why I talk about it really is because I feel like when I was when I first found out I was pregnant, I was like, okay, th- I'm gonna be happy and I'm gonna be, everything's gonna be better, hmm. and it and it wasn't, you know, nothing really changed. I mean, of course, my body was changing and my emotions were changing, and I had to be even more responsible than I already was. So, to me, it's like nobody told me like it's gonna be hard, like, you know, Mm -hmm. and people can only tell you so much, right? Like you really have to just experience it and do it 
before you know, like, oh, dang, this is really hard, Yeah, you know? So, um, and I don't even know the half of it yet. I'm just <laughs> in my second trimester. So I'm not, I'm like, have not even lived through hell really, yeah. you know? So, and I'm already like, ow, my back, oh, my stomach, you know, like <laughs> throwing up was the worst. It's not even like puking. It's like serious yeah. dry heaving. Mm -hmm. it, there's no, yeah. So it's like, um, definitely like, it's been hard and, and I just like, and just so any teenager that's like, oh, baby fever. No, it's not. It's <laughs> not. Yes. Go babysit. Go, but make sure you can give it back because, <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not all fun and it's not all rainbows. And because, you know, you know, like I, for me, like I just, uh, is it's hard and yeah. it's lonely. Like there's so many, you know things that are changing and so I really begin to like kind of talk negative about myself and like oh I look bad or oh I'm breaking out or you know oh I'm getting fat or you know like there's so many there's so many things and then you just there's constant worry of like am I doing this right am I doing this right or mm -hmm. is the baby going to be okay is it going to be healthy you know so it's not like how I pictured it to be like, oh, this is going to fix my life. No, this yeah. is going to make it harder. And, but it's also going to be a beautiful thing that, you know, really did help me, you know, get onto the right track. Yeah. Well, I have one thought on that. And then I think that's a really great place to kind of wrap up, but it's just having children is not just the, um, the, uh, hallmark yeah right painting that's that's presented to us of like it's just perfect and the babies barely cry and they come out and they're perfectly clean and like it's not that yeah. right like it's messy and whether it's parenting or just even going through the pregnancy yourself and obviously I haven't gone through pregnancy but I've watched my wife go through it four times now and like it's a lot yeah and it's not easy yeah. and um so I guess I want to just end on the, asking you this, like, what are the things that um, either you are doing or that have been helpful and or words of encouragement? Because you're not the only teen mom out there right. and the only one trying to figure it out as you go. Um, and there are plenty of other people that are going through similar situations to you. Um, and I guess what what would you say to someone else that's going through something similar um, or that is kind of in that place that you would want to offer any sort of encouragement to? Um, you know, just work hard and, you know, focus on you as, mu as much as you can now because obviously, you know, there, it's going to be so hard when you, when the little baby is depending on you. So I think just being able to do what you can to be the best that you can be and heal, you know, take that time out of your day every day, even if it's just like, you know, writing things that you're grateful for or seeing, just seeing the positive things in your life. I just think that that's so important. And to just remind yourself that you're trying and that, you know, life is hard and there's so many obstacles and things that you're going to get through, you know, it's never, it's never the end of the world. And, you know, the sky's not falling. So, <laughs> You know, definitely for sure, like, uh, focus, focus on you as much as you can and be kind. Yeah. That's all I can really say. <laughs> I don't, there's, yeah. you know, there's only so much you can say. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I really appreciate it. And, um, 
super appreciate just your vulnerability with everything here today. I think that um, we could all use a little bit more of um, just being inspired by you to be vulnerable because I know from personal experience it's not easy. Yeah. Um, so I just really commend that because it's not something I think that we as humans do naturally very yeah. often of just being vulnerable. Like I went through this experience and then you worry about being judged for it or you worry about what you know people think and you worry about whatever it is. And, um, so it's not easy to just come forward and be like, this is what happened to me. Yeah. Um, and so you make it look easy. Um, so <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's not easy. And that's, you know, like, and, and this is like kind of adding on, but you know, it's just like, uh, if you, if you are vulnerable and you are able to talk about it, do it because like, if you can talk about it, like that's, that's, that's going to help you heal, you know? Yeah. And it's so hard. Like I said, I mean, like you said, it's not an easy thing. And no. I may make it look easy, but it's it's hard because like you said, there's so many of those those judgments that are that are come along with that or so many people. Are, and it took me a long time to be able to be like, it's okay to talk about those things. Like even, even if they're like awkward conversations, like because you're helping somebody else. Yeah. So. Yeah. You certainly are helping other people and just inspiring by being on here and sharing some of this. Thank you. um, So again, super appreciate you. Um, Thanks for being on today. And we'll definitely stay in touch as you have your little baby and everything too. Sounds great. Awesome. Thanks, Mariah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the I Know Lonely podcast. I hope you were inspired by Mariah's story to make a connection with someone in your life you care about. If your story is similar to Mariah's in any way, I hope you feel a little bit less alone. Check out the show notes for access to resources and Mariah's video. To help us continue sharing stories like Mariah's, consider becoming a monthly supporter at only7seconds.com. As always, find us on all of our social media at Only7Seconds. Catch you on the next episode.